Welcome to The Truth in This Art. I am your host, Rob Lee. And today, I'm thrilled to be in conversation with my next guest, a retired police commander, former chief spokesman for the Baltimore Police Department, former press secretary for the Baltimore County Executive, former Baltimore City mayoral candidate, and the new midday host on WBAL News Radio. Please welcome TJ Smith. Welcome to the podcast. Yes. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate you for making the time and coming on. And on this, this as we're recording this, I'm going to date it, this hallowed day of uh, opening day in Baltimore. So uh, thank you for, for coming on. We're both going to be distracted. But uh, <laughs> but I want to start off with um, kind of the, the introductory question, right? Um, can you tell us a bit about your background and, and what influenced some of the work that you're you're doing today? Well, um, you know, it's been a journey. It's been a ride for sure. And born and raised in Baltimore, you know, went to Baltimore City Public Schools for the overwhelming majority of my education. Um, I later went uh, off uh, and did my college um, thing, um, but also did my career, started my career early on. Um, ultimately got uh I got three degrees, I guess, my bachelor's and two master's degrees um, from two separate universities. And um, I was a police officer to start by trade, got promoted through the ranks, uh, became a media relations director in one jurisdiction, then the chief media relations director here in Baltimore City, where a lot of people um, would recognize me from from that role because it was quite busy. Um, later, the chief of uh, communication or the uh, press secretary for the Baltimore County Executive. Um, then I ran for mayor of Baltimore. Uh, then uh, uh, ran a foundation during the pandemic, still do today, actually, um, you know, uh, with with a lot of opportunities to give back. And uh, then I started doing some radio work and consulting over those uh, years. And now I have a full time uh, job as a uh, midday radio host on WBAL uh, News Radio, which is the uh, flagship of the Orioles and the Ravens. So uh, exciting talking politics and um, all things news, Baltimore, but also Baltimore sports. So a heck of a journey to, to get here. But who's whose life isn't a journey. And, you know, I'm the father of a 10 year old, a soon to be 11, a soon to be 21. Um, and, and I have a lot of fun with him as well. Thank you. That That's, that's great. Seems like you've done all of the things you've done everything. <laughs> yeah, I've touched a lot of different things. I mean, and one of the things I failed to mention, I think it's critically important to mention uh, one I picked up on uh, last year, 2022, mid 2022 is uh, my, answered the call, so to speak. They um, had put out uh, in Baltimore City schools that they were looking for more substitute teachers. In particular, they always uh, talk about more black men. Mm -hmm. And I uh, decided to take on that challenge. And I will admit, fully admit, that was the biggest challenge of all of life's challenges and journeys that I've been on uh, professionally. That was certainly the biggest one. Some um, great kids, some great people uh, working in the schools, uh, but man, some challenges challenges and um it was challenging and uh yeah it was it was it was always a journey on on a day but i enjoyed it i actually missed the kids uh, a bit after um, not being there when i decided to take on the full-time job thank you wow and that that brings me to to my next question um and slight slightly modification so 
you know, in the 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 radio role, what what is it about like this this role that really resonated with you? I mean, obviously, you touched on like some of the topics and like what, what the where the conversations can go. But what is it about being a radio guy, lowly radio guy, like you know, we us media guys are? What is it about that that really like piqued your interest? Yeah, you know, um, honestly, for whatever reason, people liked listening to me over the years. And, um, you know, and that was the, I used to call myself the bear of bad news when I worked for the police departments um, and delivered news. And when I went and worked for the county executive and the government, um, it was a different type of news I was delivering where I'm going on talking about what we're doing for snow patrol, basically, and how many roads are going to be salted and how they're going to be cleared. So lighten it up a bit. But back in to this world, um, it, 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 it can be the next best thing to politics, quite frankly, yeah. if you're an arbiter of the truth and fairness, in my opinion. And that's what I believe I bring. I'm not a one-sided person where I think people, if you really give me a fair chance and listen, you'll actually hear somebody that you can't tell if they're progressive, conservative, Democrat, or Republican, and they're being fair to whomever they're talking about and whatever they're talking about. I um, refuse to take a role that was going to be one where I'm just simply bashing one person or one thing all the time. No, I'm going to be fair to all sides of it, and I'll present my case as to why I'm being fair. And uh, hopefully that's uh, edutainment where you're actually entertained, but you're also learning something and realizing I'm not one of those people who wants to just sit back and complain. If you want to complain, at least bring forth an idea about what you're complaining about and not just some, you know, running a mill idea, real idea, real substantive idea that you thought about that has some thought in it. And somebody can say, hmm, you know what, That, that actually makes sense. And we can try it. So, you know, that's that's part of what I say often. Hey, yeah, that's 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 great. And you know, I relate to that because obviously the, the truth is in the song. But I, I relate to that in that, you know, when I'm I try to be neutral as far as like I think I think communication, right? goes in two ways. It's either, generally speaking, goes in two ways. It's either informational or or have have an emotion with it and whatever different shades go along with it. I try to stay in that lane of information and let you know people form their own opinions i'm just going to like provide it here here's the context here here's the, mm-hmm. the reasoning behind it but and that and that's, that's kind of how i approach doing this i'm mm-hmm. here talking with someone i may you know really like their work and sometimes that comes through but real and sometimes i may be like i don't know anything about your work but it's really you know, one of these things of like, how can we get this information out there? How can we help share that story? And how can I facilitate from my position to help share the story that they want to share? You know, right. their, their truth, if you will. I don't want to color it because who, who that's, that's not the type of media I enjoy. Um, so, so in it, how is your, your background being from here? And I, I've, I think I asked this, you know, maybe, I think I asked this of Jason Newton, what have you, but it's like, how does your background, like being from here, being a native son, if you will, and having these diverse roles and this diverse background kind of color how you go about your work or what have you, especially when it relates to like, you know, Baltimore or what have you, there is this sort of, you obviously know this sort of national, hey, it's fire and brimstone there, but these are from people who've never set foot here. <laughs> right. It's, it's really knowing the, the, some of the reasons behind how we got here. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I I get the anger, frustration of the present, but 
you can't dismissively look at the present and make this these these just blanket statements without understanding how we got here. Mm-hmm. So um, let's dissect what we haven't done to disrupt how we got here uh, and to fix things. But don't just make it seem like, oh, it's just this way because y'all don't know any better or because it's Democrats or whatever the case might be. Yeah. It's so much more to it than that. And that's the funny thing about it. You can have a conversation with me one minute where you might feel like, oh, he's being so conservative about these issues. And then the next minute you're like, now he's being all liberal or progressive or whatever about these issues. No, I just want to make sure we have an honest conversation. And again, my background of knowing um, and 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 just understanding just simply the black experience for one. If if black folks were marginalized to a point of not really being able to wholesale buy real estate fairly until fifty years ago, maybe. Right. Then we didn't get the same start that some others got. Yeah. So don't look at the debt that we have assumed through college loans, et cetera, versus another family who was able to take care of their college loans because of their home equity line or the sale of the property or the, the acres, the 40 acres and the mule that we didn't have. Right. It's so much to it, so many layers to it. At the same time, I'm not giving a 15-year-old who wants to mouth off downtown Baltimore to an adult a pass because of those things. So yeah. it's so much to it. It's so many layers to this whole story that it's important to be able to tell the truth of some of those stories. And um, I think that where we are as a country, um, and and I, I saw a bunch of people today that are listeners, and you know, they would tell me, I'm, you know, I'm, I, I was a Republican once, I'm a Democrat now, and I was a Democrat once, then I went to be a Republican, now I'm a Democrat again. I said, actually, I bet most of us are, if we blindly look at certain things or certain statements made by politicians and we don't know who made them. We probably will agree with them more not knowing their party affiliation. Yeah. So because realistically, all we want is what helps us in our communities best. So we are so down in the weeds of it in this day and age right now with the titles I already said to you, progressive, conservative, MAGA, et cetera. Yeah. And every, this tug of war and the people in the middle, which is the majority of us, are sitting there like, can y'all get yourselves together? Can y'all get yourselves together? Can we come together and actually get some ideas to just be better? All, all you know. So that's the hard part. <laughs> And thank you. There, there, there is this vibe that, you know, some folks have when you have like, like I'm believing, you know, telling the truth, telling how it is and being very like direct in communication or what have you. And, you know, I just, I just remember talking with different people about maybe different decisions one might make like, oh, OK, I maybe didn't vote this time or didn't vote that time. You're this. You did this, this and this. I was like, I didn't. And this is this is my methodology. You can either accept it and keep it rolling or you can blame me for something that's in the past. And I think that's called depression. I don't want to diagnose. Mm. Though. And, mm. you know, it might be a yeah. little trolley, but that's the reality of, of, of the matter. And I don't you know, I know what my values are. I know what I believe in. But at the end of the day, it always goes to, you know, are you telling the truth? That's always what it is. You know, yeah. so when we're trying to talk about a a place or talk about a community or what have you, you know, I, I'll say I, I've been podcasting for, for 14 years. And during mm-hmm. that time, uh, you know, one of the things that was really pivotal here 
the whole situation around Freddie Gray happened right as we were wrapping up an episode. And I was mm. part of a podcast network. And they had a lot of folks from New York and they were playing the color game. And I was like, you, you look like me. And they were talking so wild about Baltimore because of the news coverage. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like those early seeds of me being like, no, 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 you're not here. You don't know what we're facing. You don't know what this situation was. You have whatever the news outlets or wherever you get your stuff from to tell you this is what the situation is. And it's like from the standpoint of being standing on truth, it's like this is not what it is. I can show you what it is live and in color. I can sh- I can let you listen to what it is by talking with people who actually are living that and not in a curated way. A, a nice cross section of people, but this person made their decision, and I had to leave that podcast network mm. as a result. Yeah. And it was just speaking and, very well. I mean, and, and to that end, you know, if 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 we let the narrative tell it, there were riots all over Baltimore City. Baltimore was on fire all the time. We had one intersection that was the epicenter of where everything was going on, and you had one intersection that sparked it. Um, on that initial day outside of that if you just if you just ignore those two places the rest of baltimore is looking like is something happening somewhere else in the city no different than every day of the week sadly it just happened to be a lot more people aggressive about one particular thing one particular issue protesting about one particular thing in one particular area again that 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 is a false narrative about um uh this widespread rioting that happened across the city. It was a nucleus of one, you know, area that, that was the epicenter of where the, the, the protest and all took place. And, and now here we are. And, but, but, but again, for me, from a truth telling standpoint as well, one of the things I said back when I was um, running for mayor, but even before I was running for mayor, I worked for uh, government entities. So my opinions were my opinion. So I didn't put those out to the public sphere because it was a different platform for me at that time. I worked for people. But uh, my, my, my stance was we let those satellite trucks who were filming as if this was a movie scene mm-hmm. leave town. And those same neighborhoods, those same areas are just as depressed or more so than they were before those trucks rolled in. And that's on us for not getting something out of what occurred in 2015. And most of the areas that had to suffer as a result of uh, and Penn North really is the only area really to speak of. It should have transformed as a result of what occurred there. And unfortunately, it's the same, if not a little bit worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's I just remember and, and we're going to move on to um, this this next topic real quick. But I, just, I remember, you know, my dad's like 68 and he was like, eh, those those houses have been the same. He's, he's from like that. Era. He's like, eh, not much has changed in the last yeah. 40 years or whatever. And yeah, it's it's something to be said about that. And. You know, I think there there was something more that could have come out of to your to your point. And it's like, hey, this is I look at a lot of things when people become aware of something. It's like this is an invitation to go deeper. And a lot of times people don't do that. Yeah. So talk about like why you like this sort of, you know, notion of telling it how it is and communication and this media career came out of what you were doing prior, like, you know, being involved in like law enforcement at all. Like what prompted that sort of shift to be like, yeah, this is the direction I'm going to go now. 
happenstance, quite frankly. But telling it like it is, um, you know, really, it's, it's crazy because I used to excel at interviews for jobs, for positions or what have you. And I started teaching other people how to interview. And the thing I noticed sitting across the table from people was how I could tell certain people had the goods, but they couldn't deliver the goods. Mm-hmm. And they would when we were practicing, when I was teaching people, practicing, they would have a normal conversation like we're having. Then we say, all right, action. And they get straight up. And they become uh, deer in headlights and a different person. Yeah. And then, all right, relax. Let's let's practice again. And then we practice, and they give it to me the way they should give it to me. But then when it's real, they fall back. And the television thing is the same way. Um, people don't communicate in jargon. You know, people communicate in real language. There's mm-hmm. not a person out there that says, "Did you see the crash the other day?" three people expired as a result. No, no one says that, you know? So I chose to communicate the way people communicate, the way they would have the conversation around their dinner table. Of course, you can do that in a professional way. You're not going to be any less professional or sound dumb or sound street or sound whatever. And you're not going to sound, you know, he's trying to be too proper. You're not going to sound any of that. You can have a normal conversation with people and they're going to understand specifically what you're saying. And uh, that was truly the methodology that I chose as communication. Now, how I got there was truly by happenstance. Um, Long story short, I ultimately took a promotion that I didn't want. And it was because someone um, offered me the job and um, I, I, I just felt compelled to work for the person who had offered me the job. And it put me in charge of the media relations section who, who needed help, needed help from a personnel standpoint. So by default, it's like, OK, you're up. And then when I did it, it, it felt normal. And really, my career as a community police officer is what really helped me excel from the public speaking world, because I got to go in front of people. And I use that as like my opening statement to any uh, person that I teach about um, public speaking, especially in the law enforcement world or government world. It, how, how many of you have ever spoken at community meetings and everybody's hands go up and their eyes kind of roll like, of course we have. Well, look at the camera and pretend that that that's a community meeting, basically, because you're speaking to the community. It's yeah. the exact same concept, and don't be intimidated by it. And here I am today. I mean, and and it literally rolled from that. But I also had the occasion on the station that I happen to be um, a host on now uh, to host a segment um, with uh, C4, who's a host as well. But some years ago, we hosted a segment on the show that highlighted uh, open homicide cases in Baltimore that uh, we felt would pull on people's uh, heartstrings and we highlighted them and and resurrected them, so to speak, brought them back into the uh, forefront of uh, media. It's a media version of cold case, right? (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, yeah, exactly. We, 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 we knew we could use the platform to do something. We elevated through there. So built up the different level of comfort on that uh, particular platform. So these next two, and thank you, these, these next two questions, um, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that relates to, I guess, sort of more around the, the, the midday, the midday job now, 
Um, what's been the biggest learning experience that's like led you to where you're at now? Because you, you touched on a little bit earlier, uh, some of the podcast scheduling stuff and like working through schedules. And there's a lot of different experiences that I can see just because I do this, like kind of leading in that direction. But what would you say is like that biggest learning experience you've had so far? Well, well, I'll say this first about the podcast I used to host, which was for another television network in Baltimore. And I give a lot of credit to them because they came to me and we had a meeting and we discussed it and they brought this up. And it was something from their parent company, the national parent company that they were inserting in their uh, stations around the country. And Baltimore, I believe, was the second one online. And I was honored to be the person chosen to launch it here in Baltimore. But they Wanted to, you know, we talk about crime. Crime drives the news in Baltimore. Let's not play games and act like it doesn't. It does, right? Mm -hmm. But they wanted to talk about it in a different way and in a more and in a more intelligent way. Kind of back to our original conversation from the uh, start of this. It's not just somebody was killed in West Baltimore. Let's pound, pound, pound. No, mm -hmm. someone was killed in West Baltimore. What are the different things that can be done? to make that community different or what are the different things so it was tying everything together we talked about fatherlessness and the myth behind it and all of the different programs that exist around this city the nonprofits that are doing work to get people back to work and training etc but um it, it, learning uh, you know, and I'm still learning. And I, I'm a I'm a I'm a sponge in this. I've, I got to work with a veteran sports journalist today uh, for for hours, uh, calling uh, or or or, or pre-gaming the Orioles. I mean, that's a big deal. Not everyone gets to do that, and I didn't take it lightly. I prepared, and the fact that he could look at it and know that. I was prepared, you know, it's homework. It ain't, you know, go home, go to sleep and get on the air and just turn the microphone on. It's not that easy, but it's learning how to be prepared and have um, more than enough information. I know I over-prepare because you as a podcaster, we can't sit on this uh, podcast like this. We can't have dead air. No. There, there's no possibility you can barely take a breath and for four hours of course a few commercial breaks yeah. but to continuously talk keep people engaged is a heavy lift and learning how to know how to transition and my main role the main role that they have me in is really concentrating on the local stuff because I've touched a lot of different um, facets of the local area to kind of delve a little bit deeper for the listeners so that the listeners can understand. And the response that I've gotten thus far, people seem to appreciate it where it's not just glossed over and it's not just uh, simply me opining on uh, things. It's actually talking about um, more specifics of the particular issues that I discussed. So, you know, um, I, I leverage relationships as well. And today we're, uh, we're, we're opening day, fortunate yeah. enough to have the uh, governor on and the uh, state's attorney on and understanding that balance. Like, this is not about policy today. It's about the Orioles. You know? Yeah, yeah. Get, get you a guy that can do both or all. <laughs> Got to be a hybrid these days. Got to yeah. be. Yeah. And, and I think that's that's one of the things where, you know, when I look at doing this, I almost it's like I identify with what I do, but I almost like look at it as a little deprecated because it's a shortcut to this is the only thing that you can do. And it's like, no, here's all of the stuff I can do. And I think like you're right, you know, being a hybrid, not being, uh, you know, pigeonholed or tight cast or whatever the terminology du jour is. And to your point, um, 
I was known more as a police spokesperson. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, it, it's probably kind of like JJ and the dynamite. I'm tired of that role, you know, <laughs> and I embrace what I did. But uh, as I said, uh, we can talk about national politics. Um, yeah. We could talk about education. I can also talk about sports all day, every day. And we don't have to mention the word police at all. And I can carry an entire show through the day without mentioning the word police or talking about police or crime stuff. So for me, it was breaking out of that. And oddly enough, as I was filling in and I'm filling in and there's a vacancy, but Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say that I was like competing. Um, I kind of was in a position in life where it's like, if a full-time job comes along, maybe I'll take it. Maybe I won't. I'm not 100% sure. I'm cool with what I've been doing. I pick up contracts here and there and do a bunch of stuff. And, and that's good. I'm I'm, I'm fine. Um, but I'll entertain it. But because I have this platform and opportunity to do things differently, I'm going to, you know, I get to build my show for the most part. I'm going to talk about things that people haven't heard me talk about as much so I can show the diversity of experience so that I'm not typecast. That's wonderful. So I got I got two more questions before I get those rapid fire questions. You're going to get the rapid fire questions too. everybody got to get them. Oh, yeah. But um. I, w- I want to talk a little bit about the um, humanitarian community awards. I, that background, I see uh, the famous fund, um, you know, helping out the small restaurants in Baltimore, yeah. and uh, the peak of like the pandemic and just like doing that. That's that was that point, right? Like aside from everything else, that was the point mm-hmm. where I was like, I'm going to talk to this dude eventually because I need to learn more about that. This is good stuff, and you know, I'd interviewed a few folks because I, I really like chefs. I interviewed a few folks who like were supported through that fund during that time. Mm. So, you know, at the end of the day, and, and, and please touch on that, but at the end of the day, yeah. what is the key motivator for you to push for a better Baltimore? Man, you know, I'm I, when it comes to like a humanitarian award, I, I, I don't want to sit here and sound arrogant or anything, but I've received a few now, um, you know, uh, probably a handful of, of straight up humanitarian awards. And every single one that I got, I was surprised by. And the last one I got was from the famous fund. Um, you know, the uh, guys uh, at Jimmy's are the ones who started it and I run it for them. And last, uh, I guess it was 2021, um, Christmas coming out of 21. Um, and they surprised me with it as I'm actually giving two of our initial donors for the Baltimore Ravens their humanitarian awards, because without them, we would have never gotten the fund started. And they pushed me back on the stage to give me the award. And um, I get emotional thinking about it. I cried. I cried like a baby because I didn't do it for the money. I didn't get paid for it. And, and, you know, a lot of foundation people get paid and get paid handsomely, but I didn't want to take the money. Um, or take a salary because I got to go out and personally speak to a lot of these business owners and to see grown men bigger than you and I um, bent over crying because they put their blood, sweat and tears into their restaurant business. And by no fault of their own, they were just stopped. And I don't know that the world really understood the impact that this had on people 
who worked their butts off to get where they were. And now their dream was done. It was over for, for as far as they knew. And the, the, in the overall spectrum of things, the little bit of money that we were able to give them, this wasn't through your insurance company, through all these forms you have to fill out. It's going to take six to eight weeks. This was right now. And that was the bridge that many of them needed to get to the, just just get to the next month, which then opened up additional funding for them, where that could have been a difference between them uh, calling it off or not. One um, in particular, um, I won't get into the dirty details of who he is, but and his wife was an educator, a teacher, and and she was the sole breadwinner at the time because he kept paying his young staff people um, um, while the restaurant was closed just so they would have an opportunity to continue earning income. And you could just tell it was almost at the end of the line, but just getting an injection of maybe ten dollars or $15,000, boom, and you didn't expect it, that keeps your doors open for another month. Yeah. And now the floodgates of opportunity have opened from the federal government to really help keep you open. It was one of the more rewarding things I was able to do in my life. Um, and and it's things like that that personally, you know, if I, I know this stuff sounds a little hokey pokey, but you you have to do and do selflessly and allow the world to come back around to you. And I know that I operated that way as an officer and with all the stuff that's gone on with police and community, I was confident. I ran for mayor of Baltimore. I was confident that there wasn't gonna be a past situation about what I did to somebody that was gonna come and derail my uh, progress um, if I was running for mayor. I knew that because I, I, I did it the way that I would want to be treated uh, for the most part. That's what I tried to do. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's great. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. It's um, that's, that's great. Cause I remember um, I think I watched like one of the town halls or something on those lines around mm-hmm. the time of that election. And I just remember I was on one. I, Cause I think it was maybe the same night as that Ravens playoff game against the Titans. I think it was then. And I was on one and my, my I left out with my partner we were talking and she was like you seem like you got your dander up i was like man i'm listening to this man i hear him analytics because i have a background in data and i'm like mm-hmm. that's not how you use that number you're misinterpreting it <laughs> and i just remember just different people on there but still for like maybe a week maybe two weeks just really being sound and almost using the uber drivers that i have as hey man you're gonna listen to what i gotta say about this and right, people, i right. agree with you bro you tell it how it is <laughs> so yeah. definitely there's there's something about it and the last thing i want to say in 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 that regard is specifically with the, the the famous fund i think it's something to be said about that where you know, I know like folks in the arts community, you know, during that time, they were in a bad spot as well. And mm-hmm. I just remember it was a lot of like a listening tour that had gig workers. They didn't they 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 didn't get jobs. They yeah. that was the part it, it, to your point. I apologize for interrupting, <laughs> but there was so much pressure put on us, you know, and and, and uh, John Minadagas, Tony Minadagas of Jimmy's, um, they dreamt this thing up. And they've their family business, mm-hmm. uh, they're, they're a small business that decided we want to help everybody else. We have all of these food uh, car uh, trucks 
So we can still generate income, even though we don't have our brick and mortar open because of the shutdown rules or whatever. But we want to try to do something else using our platform to help the other places that don't have it like us. And to be able to do what we did and raise, we've we've since broadened our scope and we still do it. And we take a bunch of kids out and do back to school stuff, still do a whole bunch of different things. But we've raised total, I would say we're probably closing in on three quarters of a million dollars. Wow. And um and 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 you can publicly account for nearly every cent of that, which is something that not every uh organization that operates as a 501c3 uh could boast. But we were confident that every dollar that people were donating was was going towards uh, you know, the, the people who needed it most, especially in the early part. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think, you know, the last thing I was saying on that is it's sort of this this thing where I know this listening tour was happening as far as the arts community and like, what will you guys want for funding? How does that look? What does the process look like? Getting a sense that the process of going about it was so complicated and it's this sort of vague jargon and dialogue yeah. that people were just missing and then missing out on funds, especially at this very challenging period but the way that you described that earlier of like no it's none of the six to eight weeks thing this is like direct to you we're cutting out all of that other stuff and now i see sort of more unrestricted funding opportunities and oh we're cutting out the process it's just two questions now and it's like yeah that's what it should have always been because we're busy creating we don't have time to like do fundraisees right yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. So, again, honored to have been a part of that. And, you know, just to button up the humanitarian award part, uh, you know, I'm honored by all of the opportunities I've had to receive them for work that I've done that I never had an expectation of getting anything in return. And that 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 is a big deal to me. And they mean the world to me because, you know, I know at least I did a few things right. Well, that's great. So this is the last real question. Um, if, if you could share, like in the last few years, like things have changed, sort of different experiences have happened. The makeup of this is a lot of attention on Baltimore, obviously. Mm-hmm. And, the, you know, the last few years, what would you say or is like the biggest wind win um, that comes to mind for you when you think of Baltimore and you're, let's say, having a conversation and you're like, no, you guys are being super negative. Let me add this to it that you guys may not know of. What is a win that comes to mind about Baltimore that's not getting that media coverage? Well, I mean, you know, the area right now is a great example. The new arena has been renovated and people Right in this area. I mean, you don't even have to be from outside this area to hear people talk negative about the Baltimore arena. But I I like to hit them with facts. And I do it. Uh, you go on my Twitter. Search <laughs> TJ Smith Social and Baltimore Arena. And you see me correcting people who say, oh, wonder why they're not getting these shows. Oh, excuse me. Janet Jackson's coming to Baltimore. She's not going to D.C. Lizzo's coming to Baltimore, but she's not going to D.C. Anita Baker is coming to Baltimore, but she's not going to D.C. Sade opened the North American leg of her Soldier of Love tour in 2011 in Baltimore. Why? Because that venue actually has been one of the highest grossing venues of its size in North America. Okay, And despite the size of it, 
It's a reason the artists love coming there. And we look at the, the, the state of it. Sure, it needed some redevelopment. Now they got it. Stop with all the conversation about I'm not coming into, into the city because of the crime. I was on the radio yeah. um, for opening day. And I said it on my airways that I'm able to say it on. As I look around, I see a bunch of people that I know don't live in the city. That are people that probably call me up and say, I'm not coming in the city because of crime. You're down here enjoying the festivities right. today. And we're looking at how everything is starting to connect. The Orioles baseball season, the new arena with 120 dates already booked this year for mm -hmm. acts. We, we we need a basketball team. No, we don't. We actually don't need a basketball team. We have a, a, a world-class performance venue of that size that not many other places have. That's why they can book it out the way they do with all of these uh, performances that you might not be able to get in Washington, D.C., which right. I love, by the way. But <laughs> – the connectivity of these waterways um, and, and, and the growth, it, it's so much character in this city if you take the time to explore. And you can do that and you can do it safely. You can do it and 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 see something different and challenge yourself. So I think there the city has a lot to offer. Um, I enjoy it. Of course, it's frustrating with some of the things that have, uh, are occurring. Um, and I bet we could pick up this podcast and we could sit down and act like we were born and bred in Chicago and have similar conversations. <laughs> right, we could right. pick it up and then move to Philly and do the exact same thing. Houston go down on down the list. Yeah. So we have plenty of areas we want to get better in, but there is so much opportunity to explore. So I would say explore, 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 and you might be surprised at what you will, will find. Very well said. Um, so that brings us to uh, these rapid fire questions. Uh oh. <laughs> uh, so don't don't overthink them. And you know how rapid fire works. You you you've done media. You've had media training. What are you, what are you, what are you talking about? Uh, so here's the first one. What All is right. your favorite time of the day? My favorite time of the day is usually right after I get off work. Sometimes I have a sweet spot of getting off work around two o'clock. And if I have to pick up my son, that's four. But it's that relaxation moment where I might not even turn on the television, listen to radio, just sit back and relax. I'm I'm conscious. I'm not going to sleep. I'm not tired, but I'm not doing anything. I'm just uh, bringing it down. That's that's usually my favorite time of the day. That's, that's good. Mine's is 3 a.m. when all of my mm. artistic insecurities pop up. I'm like, oh, you're here again. No, oh. <laughs> if you asked me this back in 2020, 2021, yeah. when I was battling insomnia because we were all off kilter from being stuck at home and didn't really clock days of the week and nothing mattered. Yeah, yeah 3 a.m. probably was the time because I'm up listening to D-Nice or something. But uh, <laughs> now... Sleeping through the night is a, a wonderful thing. And I, I treasure every moment when that happens. <laughs> so I read this and maybe I hope I'm hope I'm correct here. I read that you worked with an organization called Ties, which you uh you know taught young men how to tie a tie. So with that, what is your favorite knot? Uh well, I really wear the half Windsor now. I actually keep it very simple, but I also wear bow ties um a lot now as well. Um, you know, if I feel like tied it, it's crazy because it was one of those things after I run for mayor and then COVID hit, it became one of these things where it's like, 
You know, everything has gotten even more casual that you don't really need to wear ties to a lot of different events. So I kind of, um, even on Zooms, you know, kind of kept the open collar thing. Yeah. But um, I usually throw the half Windsor on when I do the uh, r- r- long tie. But I, I wear the bow tie. And I challenge men to wear bow ties and don't wear clip-ons. I learned to tie a real bow tie. Took me some time, but when I learned it, I perfected it. And um, I'm better for it. Yeah, that was a challenge. I, I went to um, a business school. I went to Morgan State Business School. So learning to tie a tie and I was trying to like, this is goofy, but every semester I was like, I'm gonna learn a different knot. So I'm yeah. there with this weird foreign hand that just does not look right, but I'm committed to it. I, You know, I taught my son uh, who's 10 now, but during the pandemic, uh, was when he learned every day, learn, keep tying, keep tying, keep tying. That's when he learned to tie his own um, necktie because he has to wear a uniform to school yeah. uh, with a tie. That's when he learned to perfect his knots. And, you know, um, the the program that you mentioned, Ties, I was actually the co-founder of it. Um, and, and we did that. And, and we called it Ties um, because that was symbolic of multiple things. Everything we were teaching tied together, how to dress for an interview, how to communicate for a job interview, how to conduct yourself. But we looked at the symbolism of being a man was knowing how to tie a knot, tying a tie. And we had so many young men in the teen to young 20s that didn't know how to tie a tie. And we asked them one day when we had probably 20 of them in one of our sessions, only one said they knew all 19 of them had a woman in their life, whether it be their mother, grandmother, girlfriend that tied their tie for them. We thought something was wrong with that. Right. Um, Got two more for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all have them. What is one vice that you want to give up? Is it like, look, I love cupcakes. I need to get that out of the system. What, what is your vice that you got it that you want to give up? Uh, I, if I, if I could stop drinking coffee, um, the caffeine addiction, um, that probably would be great because there's a system of life that goes around drinking coffee and yeah. getting my caffeine intake for the day. It can ruin my day. I can't go without it. I'll get a major headache and it can ruin my day. I, I mean, I've been physically ill by not having coffee and I don't like that. I don't like, like that, but I'm, I'm too far in now. And, you know, <laughs> As lighthearted of, of an issue as that is, I actually use that now to explain to people, stop telling somebody just to get off drugs. It's, I mean, it's, it's, I said, we're talking about caffeine. Yeah, yeah. Imagine what some of these people are using. They can't just, I can't just stop caffeine. So right. sugar, I use Splenda now and my coffee, been using that for years. Sugar is just another addiction. Uh, you don't even try to make me depressed. In it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as, as a person who have, has a, a coffee named after him, named after the podcast that came out, very, very supporting of getting that fix, that caffeine fix in the morning. I'm, a, I'm your pusher, as it were. <laughs> uh, yes, I love it. <laughs> this is the last one I got for you. Um, so I read that you're a music lover. Uh, oh, yeah. What is that one song that's been on repeat for you recently? Uh, the one song that's been on repeat lately. Um, you know, this is crazy. I, I go to I go to vintage music at times and just pull random pulls. And this is crazy. I, I, I don't there's not a whole lot of new age music I listen to. Mm-hmm. And I say new age like today's music. 90s R&B will remain undefeated as 90s hip hop will. But but but, um, you know, a tribe called Quest Find a Way has been something I pop in all the time. And 
Um, I let my son listen to that. Um, you know, always has to be something clean. I let him listen to. But one of the things that we also have gotten into when it comes to listening to music is pulling the samples mm-hmm. of these songs. And the, the the sample for that one, he can actually tell you exactly who it is. It's such a weird sample. But to hear how they flipped it, I think it's ingenious. But like Tribe Called Quest, that song, Find a Way, is just perfection i just love it i mean i just i just love i i I hit repeat a few times before i let it go because the way it just comes in it just it just hits you know so i love it that's that's been one of my favorites of late you can probably look it up on my music uh (laughs) apple music right now is that up at the top of my search screen that's really tight it's really tight and um I, i love that song as well um so that's pretty much it for the interview um so one, I want to thank you for coming on and spending some time with me. And uh, and two, I want to invite and encourage you to share with the listeners where they can check you out, midday slot, social media, website, all of that good stuff. The floor is yours. Well, I, I appreciate the invite. I'm glad that we connected. Thank you so much. Appreciate what you're doing. I mean, you're a hustler. I mean, I know that's a, a sample, too, that's been used. I'm a hustler, baby. You a hustler because you have done a ton of these podcasts, but they, y'all can check me out um, during the midday on uh, WBAL News Radio 1090 and FM 101.5 on the WBAL radio app. And that's where I am at TJ Smith Social across all of those social media platforms. Um, something um, I do every now and again, but, um, you know, it, it's a necessary evil these days. I don't take any of it personal. Twitter is toxic. So if you say nasty things to me, I laugh and realize I live rent free in your head. So that's the way I look at it. So I none of that stuff. I love TikTok. TikTok has the best algorithm in the world. It brings me comedy. It brings me recipes. So I don't care about your drama because I get to talk about that for four hours every day. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> so there you have it, folks. I want to again thank TJ Smith for coming on to the podcast. And I'm Rob Lee saying that there's art, culture, media in and around your neck of the woods. You've just got to look for it. Yeah.